BYU to the Big 12. Holy cow, can you believe it, Cougar Nation? BYU is in the Big 12 Conference. No, you're not dreaming. That was me on Cougar Tracks the day that BYU got invited to the Big 12 Conference. September 10th, 2021. I was at the BYU Broadcasting Building for BYU's press conference announcing the official invite. Everyone was dressed to the nines. Suits, ties, collared shirts. On the press conference banner, BYU's oval Y was next to the Big 12 logos. It was surreal. After decades of fighting for respect, there BYU was. A new beginning. This is a, an historic day for BYU athletics and for the university as a whole. It was my privilege this morning to officially accept the invitation on behalf of Brigham Young University to join the Big 12. BYU has been in other conferences. They were in the Rocky Mountain Conference, the Skyline Conference. They were a founding member of the WAC from 1964 to 1998. And then they helped create the Mountain West Conference. But the Big 12 is different. And it's especially unique because for the last 11 years, BYU hasn't been in a conference at all. In our final episode, we're talking about how BYU got back on top in the modern era and their journey into the Big 12 Conference and the remarkable leadership of Kalani Sitake. In 2011, BYU had a radical idea to leave the Mount West Conference and go independent. After years of consideration, we determined that there was no time like the present to chart a path towards independence in football. It would mean scheduling their own games, abandoning the opportunity to win conference championships, stress testing the loyalty of fans. It had never been done. Many would say it was foolish. So why do it? At the time, most major conferences were hesitant to admit a faith-based institution. Many prioritized research universities. Rival University of Utah had just been admitted to the Pac-10. BYU on the surface had seemed like they were left behind. They looked for a new angle. Going independent was risky. It could be a total flop. But going independent could also possibly be a springboard to an elite conference down the road. High risk, high reward. That's kind of BYU style. The road less traveled. So they went for it. They pulled out of the Mountain West Conference. Late this afternoon, just as the news was breaking nationally, BYU head coach Bronco Mendenhall brought the good news to his players. He brought us all together at the end of practice and told us that this will be our last season in the Mountain West and that uh, starting in 2011, we'll be going independent. Now what? The first things BYU needed were a TV contract and a schedule. And wow, did they mobilize. They leaned on the school's television network, BYU TV, and on the school's fiscal support. They signed a deal with ESPN to televise home games. BYU TV's worldwide reach and its brand new $50 million state-of-the-art broadcast facility is part of the new plan. But going back to ESPN and a new eight-year partnership is definitely the wow part of today's announcement. With the partnership of a national network, BYU was able to schedule games all over the country with teams like Notre Dame, Texas, and Wisconsin. Still, independents got off to a rocky start. The first independent home game was against Utah. The Cougars lost 54-10. Utah just entered the Pac-12. BYU fans were worried that Utah was surging ahead. At the end of the season, championship time, players, coaches, and fans were wondering what exactly were they playing for. 
while they played teams like Idaho and New Mexico State. Eventually, the program grew. There were big wins, like when BYU crushed the Texas Longhorns in 2013 and 2014. And there was fan growth. With the ESPN deal, people could tune in from coast to coast. But independence wasn't sustainable. From a resources standpoint, it set the team at a disadvantage compared to the BCS and Power 5 teams that they were scheduling on an annual basis. It was never BYU's long-term goal. Being in a major conference, however, that was always the goal. In 2016, Athletic Director Tom Holmo and school administrators pitched BYU to the Big 12 Conference. They did it at the lavish Four Seasons Hotel in Texas. Big 12 folks were impressed. BYU had increased television value during independence. The team had a worldwide following. And the Cougars, despite going out on their own, were proving that they could still win a lot of games. The Big 12 appeared to be on the doorstep of expanding and adding BYU. But then the LGBTQ plus activist group, Athlete Ally, protested. Hudson Taylor is a former All-American wrestler who went on to found Athlete Ally, one of 26 LGBT groups that signed this letter to the Big 12. Big 12 member schools should be protecting and respecting LGBT athletes, fans, and administrators, and BYU's policies don't currently do that. BYU's honor code at the time stated that all members of the university community manifest to a strict law of chastity and, quote, all form of physical intimacy that give expression to homosexual feelings, end quote. The letter urges the Big 12 not to consider BYU, claiming doing so would undermine Big 12 values. Having BYU be a part of the Big 12 really sacrifices that. Athlete allies' protest worked. The Big 12 didn't extend an offer. We decided after very thorough discussion that we would uh, remain at 10 members. We committed ourselves to uh, that proposition. Tom Homo worried the door to an elite conference had closed, but he pressed on. Instead of crawling in a hole and saying, woe is me, BYU made a concerted effort. They brought activist groups onto campus. They hosted the NCAA Common Ground Summit and also hosted the NCAA's inclusivity leaders on campus. They made inroads and repaired relationships. Our coaches and our student-athletes and administration determined we're not gonna, this isn't going to be a failure. This is going to be a launching point. But they would have to remain independent for a few years longer. BYU was looking for its next football leader. In 2015, Kalani Sataki was coaching at Oregon State. But prior to that, he was a longtime assistant under Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Satake, a former BYU fullback, learned a lot from Witt at Utah. Being able to go through some of the things that, that I did as a coach and being a coordinator and transitioning to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, the defensive side of the game, um, it was good for me to have him as a mentor. But Satake's blood ran blue. He was a BYU alum and a member of the church. He played for Lavelle. I've always been a, a BYU fan since I was little, but... I love BYU once I met Lavelle. Like, this just, just, just a whole nother level. We are all loyal, strong, and true. We wear the white and blue. Whether it's Royal or Navy, we own it because it's BYU blue. After Bronco Mendenhall's tenure came to a close, BYU wanted a head coach with a softer, kinder side. Someone who was more like Lavelle. 
he's the main reason why I got into coaching. Um, I've had great coaches along the way from uh, Little League all the way to high school. Well, it just, it was just different and challenged me more as a, as a man than, than just a player and treated me uh, more than just a player. You know, it just, I felt like he uh, was really interested in uh, my success as a person more than, than as a football player. Kalani Satake was the obvious choice. BYU AD Tom Homo was thrilled to hire Satake. I feel really very, very uh, incredibly lucky and blessed to be able to have uh, Kalani join our team. Like Lavelle, Kalani makes his players, coaches, and fans feel like they belong. He has been a really good example to me of just showing his love and caring for people and making sure that everyone's taken care of and that we have each other's backs, that we're really looking out for each other. When you talk to him, you can just feel comfortable around him. He's very personable and, 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 and loving. He has time for anyone. He has a hug for everyone. Kalani is a beloved figure, even by Utah fans. Most of his uh, training as a coach has been at the University of Utah. And um, many of my friends at the University of Utah have told us, you're getting a golden boy. He's great. And like Lavelle, Kalani does things unconventionally. He empowers his coaches to have authority. He's not a micromanager. He's self-deprecating and brings a ton of energy. He's a funny guy and you know, kind of soft-spoken off the field, but when he gets on the field, he just, he just he turns it on. Kalani's first season was in the wake of the 2016 disappointment over not getting into the Big 12. Fans were bummed. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like it's not there in the background. So I, I know that's out there, but we're, we've asked our players not to really talk about it. The season was mediocre at best. They went 9-4, and four, and the next year things got worse. BYU finished 4-9. and nine. The community wondered if Kalani had been the right choice. The sports media was putting Kalani on notice. Just about every team faces change, but especially a team that finished 4-9, and nine, you would expect yeah, something. And, and listen, the coaching staff knows they dropped the ball this year too, right? It's no secret. They, they let their team down. The players didn't play well, you had injuries, but ultimately it's all in the coaches. Kalani started to strategize differently. He made some difficult staffing decisions, which included firing BYU legend Ty Detmer as offensive coordinator. Coaching can be a cruel business. You must produce results or else. Even a legend isn't immune. Ty released this statement after he was relieved of his duties as BYU offensive coordinator. Although I'm disappointed I won't have the opportunity to turn things around as the OC, I'll always be grateful to Kalani for giving me the opportunity to return to BYU and coach there. Not only did Satake lose a lot in those early years, but he let go of a BYU legend. The temperature was starting to rise on Satake's seat as BYU's head coach. Coverage and there's an interception. Obviously frustrating loss. Well, BYU's being blanked. If I had the answer, I would have figured that out by now. <laughs> Probably threw the ball too much. Picked off again. Really frustrated. I know where we sit, and I know how to get the fix and, and how to improve. Satake became his own man and started to do things his way. He revived the quarterback factory. He infused the team with its own history. The first quarterback Kalani Satake recruited was Zach Wilson. It took some serious effort. Because Wilson, he grew up a Utah fan, hating BYU. But Kalani knew Zach and his family from his coaching days at Utah. Kalani begged Zach to give BYU a chance after the Cougars barely recruited the Draper Utah star. It didn't hurt that Utah was overlooking Wilson as well. I'd like to commit to, uh, to BYU. I think BYU offers you know a little bit of everything and you get to you know stay close to your friends and your family and I think that really means a lot for me. 
Zach Wilson became the youngest starting quarterback in BYU history. He had some struggles. There were some losses, some bad ones, but he also gave some big wins, like against Tennessee in 2019. History was made tonight in Knoxville. 20 seconds left on the clock. Wilson throws a deep pass. Zach Wilson started hitting his receivers, beginning with the biggest pass of the game, a 64-yarder. Wide receiver Micah Simon catches the ball and starts running down the field. He comes up just short, but there's still enough time for BYU to kick a field goal. It goes through the uprights, and it's good. The game goes into overtime. Man, it was one of those plays that odds were against us, and... You know, it's one of those things that, you know, all your reads, all your decision-making of what coverage they're in kind of all goes out the window. It's kind of like, you know what, where can I extend a play? The BYU Cougars plant their flag on Rocky Top as winners over the University of Tennessee in double overtime. I was at that game, and let me tell you, Kalani's dancing and the sea of royal blue that made it to Rocky Top, that was a sight to see. BYU only won six other games that season, and the doubts about Kalani still persisted, and Wilson for that matter. Then COVID happened. Former KSL newscaster Dave McCann asked Utah Governor Gary Herbert, is there going to be a season this year? It's an iffy thing. Uh, As I've said before, we have a great plan in place. This plan will only work if all of us take on our own individual responsibility to do our part. Social distancing, which we're doing here, and wearing of the mask. And if we want to see that football game, it will take two months of mask wearing? That's right. It will certainly help. We are able to then do some better contact tracing. If we will all follow these guidelines, we can have a sports season. I remember getting the notification that the Big Ten football season was canceled on my phone. I was at a gas station in Santa Quin, Utah, masked up, handing the attendant my credit card under a plexiglass panel. I remember thinking, this is it. College football and football, it's done for the year. I started messaging BYU contacts looking for a statement. The Cougars were scheduled to play two Big Ten teams that season. Then the Pac-12 canceled their season. That was four more games off BYU's schedule. But remember, BYU isn't part of a conference. The school didn't have to follow conference guidelines. They would make their own play or no play decisions. With all the uncertainties and things that are happening, I mean, I think our our only goal is to try to be ready uh, for whatever happens. And then hopefully we get those opportunities to play this fall. And if we do, we'll be ready by then. They decided to play the season. With so many teams and conferences out, BYU was the only team playing in the West. There were a few other leagues that gave the green light on the season. With so many of their games canceled, Those teams needed games as well. So teams like Alabama and Texas A&M were suddenly on BYU's schedule. But then the SEC decided to play conference only, leaving BYU to go back to the drawing board to find more games. BYU still managed to cobble together a schedule. I was there at the opening game. The stands were empty. I was in the press box, 10 feet away from the closest person. Players had tested three times leading up to the game, It was eerie. BYU was playing Navy. Navy is a tough team. They have the discipline and brute force. But going into the game, Navy hadn't practiced tackling. 
because of COVID. Possession, they've moved it 40 yards so far. Algiers really been running well, and Algiers has some room to the outside. Algiers headed to the end zone. BYU crushed the midshipmen, 55-3. to Every week we were on pins and needles. Would players get sick? Would the Cougars play or not play? All the excitement from the season yeah. opener, right? And yeah. then you have Incredible to deal with this. game last week. Yeah, it's certainly not what you want to hear. A lot of excitement was generated by that season opening win. BYU was unstoppable Monday in a 55-3 win over Navy. But today we learned one thing that can stop the Cougars, COVID-19. BYU was scheduled to play Army at West Point Saturday, but that game has been postponed. BYU made the announcement this evening. Lots of small schools around the country were financially crushed by the pandemic. They were looking for payouts. And BYU was happy and able to pay. So they built out a schedule, playing smaller schools like Louisiana Tech and North Alabama. And every week, we were on pins and needles, play or no play. By December, BYU was 9-0 on the season with facing these smaller schools. They were undefeated but they were also kind of untested. Athletic director Tom Homo looked far and wide for more prestigious teams to play. Quarterback Zach Wilson started wearing a headband that read anytime, anywhere, any place. We're not complaining if we don't get into the college football playoffs. You know, we understand the situation and, and we definitely feel like we're good enough and we definitely feel like we should have an opportunity to, but um, really we have to take care of business and, and get things done. But um, the goal for us is, is to win out and find out what team wants to play us in a bowl game. And, you know, we, we look forward to that challenge of playing a big-time opponent. And then a breakthrough. On December 10th, Coastal Carolina, a school you may never have heard of, was scheduled to play the Liberty Flames. Like BYU, Coastal Carolina and Liberty had played full seasons and had done very well. Both teams were undefeated. Two days before they were scheduled to play, COVID tore through the Flames. They were forced to cancel. Athletic Director Tom Homo caught wind that the Flames are out. BYU answered the call to replace them. It was announced BYU is going to play Coastal Carolina in a winner-take-all undefeated showdown to potentially get into a big bowl game. 7.15 this morning, I got a phone call from the Athletic Director at uh, Liberty, uh, Ian McCaw, and he is congratulating BYU on the opportunity to play in the game and wishing us good luck. Without even signing a contract, without any sort of official document that said the game is happening, the Cougars jumped into gear. Keep in mind, scheduling agreements in football are typically made seven to ten years in advance. This was all arranged in two days. The Cougars make it to South Carolina, and they take the teal-colored field in front of a small crowd of 5,000 fans. In the fourth quarter, the Cougars are down 22-17. to Quarterback Zach Wilson passes to Dax Milne. Milne is running down the field. He's tackled. As he falls to the ground, he stretches his arm out toward the end zone. Last chance for the Cougars. Milne the catch. Wrestled down on the two. The broadcaster said the two-yard line. It was the one. Coastal wins it. And BYU was one yard away from a perfect season. It was a devastating loss. You know, people are going to say all sorts of things, but um, at the end of the day, we just came up short. BYU dropped in the rankings and didn't make it to a big money bowl game. But the team earned a lot of praise for their willingness to play on such short notice. 
and it was the type of on-field success BYU needed to pave the way for consideration to the Big 12 again. In 2021, the conference announced they were looking at expansion, this time because Texas and Oklahoma were leaving for the SEC. BYU was a natural candidate. I spoke with former Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, and he knew right away that BYU was the school that he would call. BYU was the was the first call I made. This process was uh, shorter, more urgent, and uh, and I think the previous process had uh, you know shed some light on what we were looking for and who might provide that. The years of meeting with activists and making BYU more inclusive paid off. The years of playing independently and powering through a global pandemic paid off as well. The day after BYU was admitted into the Big 12, literally the day after BYU played Utah, it was 12 years after the Max Hall curse of 2009. I don't like Utah. In fact, I hate him. I hate everything about him. Nine heartbreaking losses to Utah, but now the Cougars are also in a conference. They take the field as equals. BYU beat Utah at its own game. They were physical, aggressive. They forced turnovers. Everything Utah had done to BYU over the previous decade, BYU put on Utah. The curse was now lifted. Now BYU can go into victory formation. They have not said that in this rivalry in a long, long time. The fans stormed the field. You know, the field with, with the fans, you know, we've been waiting for X amount of years to enjoy that. You know, it was... Uh, priceless you know it's a surreal moment and i'm so happy for each and every one of them kalani is crowd surfing he's blowing kisses he's kissing babies his cougar head medallion necklace is glinting in the moonlight he's rocking a leg there's probably some people with some hurt backs and necks right now from picking me up on september 10th 2022 in byu's final season of independence the cougars got a sneak peek at life in their future conference byu hosted a big 12 team baylor university one of the nation's best teams. Into the end zone, and BYU wins it! BYU won in double overtime. It was a remarkable game that finished after midnight, and it felt especially poetic because the year before, BYU was dominated against the Bears in Waco. This time, it was a huge win for BYU. Right now in Cougar history, it feels like they are in a rebirth. BYU is in a power conference. They've defeated Utah and Baylor. They've got the right coach. And now BYU is working their way to the top, and they're ready to take off into the next 100 years. A Century of Cougar Football is researched, hosted, and written by me, Mitch Harper. Rachel Miller-Howard also helped with writing and is responsible for audio production and sound design. Mixing by Trent Sell and Rachel Miller-Howard, Special thanks to Madison Hinkhouse and Nathan Dowdle, and executive producer Cheryl Worsley. A Century of Cougar Football is a KSL podcast. <laughs>